And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Hockey Show. Welcome to it. It is the Tuesday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. It's Ian Mendes. It's Julian McKenzie. Mike Ruschel's on deck because it's a Tuesday. You know, Julian, I, the one thing I want to get into right away, right mm-hmm. away, mm-hmm. is right off the Monday show, because we had tweets on this, we had emails on this, and you seemed super skeptical when I said, you know, people who live in, uh, our listeners who live in warmer places, think Nashville, think Florida, Arizona, Texas. If they get the odd snowstorm, ice storm, what do they do to clean? And I said to you, I'm pretty sure a lot of people use their credit card. This was mind-blowing information to you, which I don't blame you because I was there myself until somebody told me this. Okay. So here we go. I got a couple of emails that we're going to kick off the show with from our listeners. Yes. The Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. Ryan in Texas. We get more sleet than snow. 100% I can tell you I've used my driver's license or a store card to scrape the front window. Okay? That's amazing. That's amazing. I This really blew my mind. I really yeah. had no idea that that was the move. And the fact that so many people have like tweeted at us and, and you're about to go through some more emails like that is that's like unheard of. But that's like a, a tale of two different types of ways of going about these things. Right. Like I man, I had yeah. no idea that people would willingly go out there with a credit card or some kind of thin card to take that stuff off. That just I don't know, man. That's wild. Okay, Nathan's got a life hack for us here. Nathan, love listening to the show on Monday. As soon as you guys posed the question about what people use to clear snow off their cars, my response was a credit card slash rewards card. I actually grew up in Toronto, now live near Nashville. I remember using the snow brush to clear the window on my parents' car in the morning. Here in Nashville, if it actually snows and it sticks, chances are nothing is open for me to drive to. Most of the time, it's just scraping ice off the window. And a credit card actually works better than a window scraper. The card lets you get a good contact with the window, doesn't leave streaks. I use a credit card over my ice scraper every time. I even keep an old hotel key in my wallet for this exact purpose so I don't damage a credit card that I actually need. My ice scraper is this ice, my ice scraper sits unused in my garage. Even when I visit my family in Toronto, I use a brush for snow. I use a credit card to clear the ice. This has convinced me I have to at least try this once. Boom. 
Learning um, a lot about people. So we'll, we'll ask Russo. He's a Minnesota yes. guy, but he lived briefly in Florida, right? So we'll ask him. He did. We'll ask him if he ever went uh, credit card with the snow. So when Russo Have you ever us, seen the photo of Russo at that Florida arena? Like there's like a photo of I forget where in the arena it is, but there is a photo of Russo in that Florida arena. I, I'll, what, I'll find it. What do you mean that Florida arena? Like uh, where they play now? Like, I believe where they play now. There is a photo of it. I've seen it. Well, I, 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 I covered the Panthers God. for years. Like I swear to God. You've never seen this? But what do you mean there's a photo of him? Okay, there's like a giant, like, blown up photo of him in, like, one of the halls inside of the arena. I swear to you, I've seen it. Okay. And I'm like, well, this we'll is a lot he, for, um, for, we'll for, ask him for when he gets Russo. on here in a couple minutes. We'll ask him. Oh, my God. I'll um, find it. I will find okay. it. So... One place where it doesn't snow, or usually doesn't snow, is Vegas, and certainly in June. And we can tell you, Board of Governors uh, got together. We talked about this on Monday in Seattle. It looks like it's a green light. The NHL draft will happen in person in Vegas at the Sphere, June mm-hmm. 28th, 29th. I guess I'll have to kick you two out of there at that point. They'll take over the Sphere. Um and then this will be the last in-person draft ever. I guess if you're going to go out, you're going to go out in Vegas at the Sphere, right? You're not going to come to Ottawa and quietly do it at the Westin Hotel. You're going out. This is the way to go out, isn't it? In Vegas? You go to, you go, hey, man, look, I mean, June 28, June 29, if you want to hang out for some outdoor concert at the Breton Flats, why not? What's wrong with that? <laughs> I like this. I, you know what? I, if you're going to do it, do it one last time. Everybody together. Vegas will be fun. Right? Um, it's, yeah. It's, 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 it's interesting, though. They're going to... Do you care that they're going to go away from the in-person stuff? Like, in the future, that's going to be it. Like, this is the one-off. This is it. I care more about the fact that because of this it's up in the air or it's not likely that us media types will be there. If it means I have to watch the draft going forward on television, I would hope that the product would be much better than what we're used to watching on television for the NHL draft. There's a reason why the NFL draft and to a certain extent, the NBA draft are much more enticing products to watch on TV because of the players, because of the stories that they have a lot, especially in the case of NFL and the, and the NBA, for a lot of people who are into college athletics down the States, those stories are everywhere. If you're watching the NBA draft, you may remember a guy's performance from March Madness a couple months earlier, and you may know about this guy's story. And it's very much a big thing in the NFL. If you're watching college football, you may have seen this guy win a Heisman. You may have seen this guy dominate for this university at, in this conference. Like, for whatever reason, because of the news cycle in the States with those players, it's so much more, it's a lot easier to make stories out of those players, even if you're getting into later drafts and the way that we look at mock drafts and all that. In the NHL, like, think about how NHL draft coverage has gone. We focus so much on the execs who are on the floor, on the phones, talking to other execs. There's a reason why that Kyle Dupas meme is a thing with him with the two phones. phones. And then, like, sometimes you see a couple guys in the stands, a couple players in the stands waiting to get their name picked, but their personalities are not nearly as enticing as some of the other ones from the other leagues. 
So the biggest thing for me is watching the NHL draft and not seeing all of those teams there. We'll probably see maybe a representative on Zoom or something. What's that going to do for that kid who was supposed to be drafted third overall and then he falls all the way to 17th? That's going to be a lot of camera time on that kid. And hopefully that kid is ready for that. And on top of that, how forthcoming will these players be to tell their stories and to be personalities and to be engaging yeah. to make the NHL draft as a product in as enticing as some of the other leagues in the big four, not counting the MLB because I don't I mean the MLB draft is not really a big televised event, but the NFL and the NBA cer certainly are. Yeah. You know, you, you bring up a good point. Like there is the, always the feeling of the, the, the player who slides in the draft. And then he's just in that green room. Like, like, like back in the day it was Aaron Rodgers, right? Like Aaron Rodgers slip, slip, slip in the draft. Um, and, and, you know, the cameras on him. Okay. In the NHL, like in, the, in recent years, like Shane Wright was a guy who, he, and he only fell from one to four. But remember, right. like everybody was so interested. Like remember when he, when Shane Wright came up to the podium, people thought he like gave a look to the Habs and it was all kind yep. of whatever. So I, I don't know. Like, I, I wonder, like, I can't think of a, like of another NHL player who really fell like did, like, who fell, like, 15 spots? Maybe our listeners can help us out. Like, give us, like, is there a player who was supposed to go top five, top ten, who didn't go until, like, the end of the first round or second round? Like, it's, like, the Aaron Rodgers type or yeah. Randy Moss. Like, I can't like, think Randy of Moss really fell in his draft yeah. year, too. And he yeah. kept the receipts. Like, <laughs> oh, he did. And he made sure to torch everybody else after he got yeah. drafted. But, like, we, we've we seen, you mentioned Shane Wright's a good example. But, yeah, his fall wasn't that wasn't that drastic. I mean, Adam Fantilli, a lot of us thought he was going to go second, and a lot of us were surprised on draft day that he went third, but that's not that drastic of a fall. Like, that would just be like, okay, like one pick at most, you're fo you're you're focusing on him a little bit. Like, there, I can't think of anybody who has had, I mean, Cole Caulfield, a lot of people were looking at his talent, but I don't know if anyone thought of him as like a top five player necessarily. Like, there were people who were surprised that he fell into the middle of the first round, but I can't think of anyone who was like, oh, this kid's going to be like a top five bona fide pick. And I don't know. And, I, and I'm sure there were because of some of the other talented players from his draft class. I don't think people were going to hype him up to that point where it's like we're going to focus so much attention on him. And by the way, I know we're harping on that. Like that's like one aspect of the television product that I figure might happen as a result of the decentralization of the draft. Like there are so many other things that need to happen in order for the product to be more engaging. I know we're going to focus on that, but like, I just want that mentioned. Well, I'll tell you what, why don't we, why don't we step aside our pal, Mike Russo, who's actually in your city for yeah. flames and wild. He's in Calgary. Why don't we step aside for a quick second? We're going to come back. And the first thing we're going to talk to Russo about the Philadelphia flyers and ports being torts. Cause he's got the flyers playing in his, in a classic Philadelphia kind of style. And uh, we want to weigh in on that. So we're going to take, take a, a, a brief break, come back with Mike Russo on the other side. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. No, we win the game because we got balls. We do. We, we do stupid stuff. We don't make some plays sometimes. Um, lose sight of certain momentums in the games. Uh, a number of things we have to work on and try to get consistent at. But one thing we do have is balls. John Tortorella, NHL coach or sporting goods salesman? <laughs> We've got balls. Uh, boy, uh, let's bring in our pal Mike Russo here. Uh, I'll tell you what, Mike, and you covered this league a long time. You've been around torts a long time. Uh, there might not be a better marriage between a city and its fan base and its identity than Philadelphia and John Tortorella. He's got them going. They beat the Penguins on Monday in overtime on a Couturier overtime winner. They're sitting in a playoff spot. Uh, I mean, this guy's pushing for whatever, whatever you want to think about towards, he's pushing the right buttons right now, isn't he? Yeah, he's ruining the rebuild. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, you know, he's got them, you know, he's got cojones. They got cojones, as, as he would say. I, I'll just say it in a more reader-friendly way. Uh, <laughs> although we work for The Athletic, we could say anything and write anything. Um, you know, I mean, I think anybody that knows me knows how much I respect uh, Tortorella. The only time I ever really, um, you know, criticize him is just sometimes the way that he treats reporters. And, you know, at times he forgets that some people are, are human beings and have their own problems in life and don't need to be bullied by a coach. But he is, um, if you ever have a conversation with him, um, he just wants smart questions. He's got a love for the sport and he's actually a very good, decent human being. And, um, and that's, you kind of wish that he shows that more often. And right now he's got this team playing John Tortorella hockey. They're blocking shots. They're checking hard, which is always his key word. They're defending well. They're getting, you know, good goaltending from, from Carter Hart. They're, they're, uh, last time I looked, their goals against average was right around seventh in the league. They're killing penalties, uh, despite a really lousy power play. Um, and they have a good mix of, of veterans and young guys there. And, and um, you know, I, I, you mentioned Couturier's overtime winner. I mean, this, for what this guy's gone through the last couple of years with his back injury and surgery and all that, you just, you know, really love to see him back. Konechny just seems to be thriving. Um, you know, uh, with Tortorella, you have great guys in that locker room like Cam Atkinson. And then, you know, the young guys are starting to come along. Owen Tippett's in a little bit of a drought last time I looked, but you know, Bobby Brink, who I know well from Minnesota, is playing well. So they just have a lot of things going for them. And I think that, you know, I, I still think that Daniel Briere and Keith Jones won't take their eye off the ball and look at the long-term picture of what they plan to continue to build this uh, franchise. But right now, they're, you know, one way to really fast-track a, a, a roster reset is to institute a culture of winning. And that's what Tortorella is bringing there right now. In Canada, uh, seeing that John Tortorella clip, we would see it on TSN, and uh, TSN Sports Center would promptly do a top ten John Tortorella sound bites. <laughs> I would love to know, in your opinion, Russo, what is the definitive John Tortorella soundbite? Um, well, I mean, the one that always pops in my head is him and Brooksy going back and forth. Uh, Larry Brooks, uh, who yeah. I'm really uh, tight with, and. Um, I mean, that was always something. And I think they actually have a very mutual, uh, a, a mutual respect 
Um, Julian, on an aside, I was just with a bunch of our, our Minnesota-based reporters at practice, and we were just talking like, what is it with Canada and TSN and Sportsnet that every day there's got to be a top 50-something? And it's 50, 49, 40. It's every show that is on 24 hours a day. Ian, what is that? You, you're, a, you're a former TV guy. Yeah. Like, what is that? We love like, our listicles. Uh, yeah. We do love yeah, listicles here, yes. Yeah. yeah. It's, you're right. Top and and Sportsnet's yeah. got a bunch of those that they have in rotation. And every yeah. month, I think they try to at least like refresh it. But you're yeah. right. Sportsnet in particular has yeah. that i guess it's more because of the of the, the nhl rights i guess but they yeah. do have a lot of those clips in rotation yeah one of the yeah. recent tom tortorella little mini rants that could go on there i actually agree with when he was talking about i don't know if i necessarily agree with luke hughes and him not being prepared for a hit and that was like more his fault than than hathaway doing what he always does in running guys um you know i don't necessarily agree with that but i do agree with tortorella in we've become the, I don't want to say a no-hit league, but we have definitely become a league where um, if somebody is blown up, it is the biggest story ever because we rarely see it anymore. I cannot tell you how many times I watch NHL players skate with their head down in the neutral zone um, or at the blue line. And in yesteryear, you know, a Darian Hatcher, a Scott Stevens would absolutely make them pay for it. And now guys just, you know, just let up and don't even consider um, checking somebody. And I think it's a dangerous thing. And I, I definitely think that we need to institute back in the game of guys just preparing for hits and not putting themselves in scary positions. Cause every single time that happens, I'm like ready for just a huge moment. Like I used to see with, you know, Stevens and Korea or whatever. And, um, you know, obviously the Lindros situation and, and we just never see it anymore. And again, I don't necessarily blame Luke Hughes for that play. Um, but I, but the overarching message from John Tortorella, that rant last week, that we could throw that in the top ten. Yeah, is, you know is, what? I is think it, it, oh, it? You go ahead, Ian. Oh, yeah. No, I think what's got to happen is this has to go back to the youth level, and they cool. have to figure out a way. They have to teach responsible body contact, both in delivering and accepting. And I think you're right, Mike. Like you watch a lot of games now, and there's a lot of players who don't look like they're prepared. They're in a vulnerable spot. And it's it's about education, right? And I think you yeah. got to figure out, teach them how to to make a clean hit, but also take a clean hit. Because I think most of us appreciate a degree of physicality in the game. I don't think anybody is advocating for the game to lose physicality. We just want to see it done in a responsible manner. And I think right now it's almost as reckless or dangerous when players aren't prepared to take the hit. And so yeah, that's why and, I agree with and, Corey. And they take for granted that they're not going to get hit, that they're yeah. we're not going to see the Rafi Torres headhunting anymore. And and I, you know, in a lot in a large way, and I know it's fashionable for everybody to always trash Department of Player Safety in the NHL for anything, um, and and the inconsistencies. But the one thing that this league has done really well in the last 10 years is is really get away by instituting the, the checking of the head rule, really getting away from from, I mean, when we see head contact, it is such a rare occasion that everything blows up and we criticize and, and you know, say the game needs to change. But the reality is, is that these players are starting to realize that that stuff doesn't exist anymore. So they, they feel free to skate through the neutral zone with their head down, to go into the, um, you know, the offensive zone in a real, you know, you know vulnerable position. Um, and again, I don't necessarily agree that Luke Hughes did that in the, at the goal line the other day. And, and, but, but I do agree with John Tortorella's overarching message there. And I do think that because the league has done a so, such a good job of legislating head contact out of the game, 
so we don't see these dangerous, dangerous um, incidents anymore. I think players now take it for granted that they don't have to really be prepared for those hits. And I think that's why also when we see a gigantic hit, there's always the first in, the first inkling is to go and try to fight the guy, um, you know, instead of just accepting that sometimes in this sport, you're going to get hit hard. Uh, the Board of Governors meetings going on in Seattle right now, a few different items seem to be popping up. The salary cap looks like it's going to go up for next year. 87.7 million seems to be the number, whether it's an approximation or a specification. Uh, could be an update with the Olympics as well. Expansion, it seems like it's bound to happen. Maybe this isn't the week we hear about it, but it feels like at some point we're going to hear uh, some kind of expansion talk. What did you make of some of the early news items to come out of uh, the BOG? Yeah, I mean, I think it's very good news that we're going to start to see the cap uh, rise again uh, now that the escrow has been paid back to the owners from the pain of the pandemic. Um, you know, I know a lot of people have their own, um, you know, opinions on that and whether or not that the league could the league and the PA could have negotiated something to at least get some sort of little bump this year, but didn't happen. It's go up about $4 million, and that's good news for a lot of teams and a lot of players that are getting squeezed out right now. Um, expansion is, to me, the really interesting thing because it's going to happen, and I genuinely think Atlanta's coming in five years or so, at five years after they announce uh, expansion. And I think if for some reason Arizona moved, it wouldn't shock me if Arizona got a team back uh, because the league does not want to leave that market. Um, obviously, Salt Lake City, Houston, um, some of these markets are involved. And, and it's, look, I mean, it, it comes down to that expansion fee and what the owners are going to split. I think the next big fight between the Players Association and the owners is to try to get the players to get a piece of that. You know, that is, that is money that is going to be split by 32 owners and does not go into the player's pocket at all whatsoever. And I saw Marty Walsh being interviewed by, I think it was Frank Zellarelli, and he basically said, we're going to want a piece of that action. I can tell you right now what Gary Bettman is going to say to Marty Walsh is, uh, no, 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 no. Um, what you're getting a piece of is, is 100 new jobs between 50 contracts each between two new teams and 46 new NHL jobs. And that's going to really, uh, you know, add a bunch of occupations, obviously, to the league. So that's going to be a comeback from the NHL. So that is going to be a fight um, here. And the other thing I'm looking forward to is what could be our last draft to cover in person. I've covered every single draft since 1997, guys, uh, the, the draft in Pittsburgh. And, um, you know, I love covering the draft. I love that every who's who is there. So uh, if this is going to be the final draft that we're going to be covering in person, uh, what better place than that incredible facility, the Sphere in Vegas? I cannot wait. Uh, in fact, I can't wait so much that I booked my hotel room about five months ago. So, uh, so as long, so we got to try to get the athletic not to have a group hotel because I got where I want. I got my room that I want. Everything. I'm you you know there. that the athletic is is booking a group reservation <laughs> at Circus Circus. Yeah, I know. We always get really nice hotels. That's the one thing That's, I'll say about the athletic. No, no, so, yeah, that that. As long exactly. as, but it's time that we go get, go back to getting Marriott points. You know, Montreal, we didn't get, we didn't stay at a Marriott property. Uh, Nashville, we didn't stay at a Marriott property. Got to stay at Marriott. We're sports writers, man. Yeah, that's like that's like <laughs> the number one rule. Hey, hey, by yeah. the way, Mike, you mentioned you've covered the league uh, and every draft since 1997. Mm -hmm. Our guy Julian McKenzie here was just referencing. So when were you born, oh, Julian? That's what I want to know. He's a 94. Right? 94. 94. Oh, 94, 94, 94 baby. He's a 94 guy. 94 baby. Um, <sighs> he says there's some icon, and I don't know what this is. I don't I apologize. If this was a fever dream, I'm sorry. Oh, no. I just want to apologize. But like of I you. swear while my on okay. the road trip on a road trip I was on last year, I swear to God, I was at the Flames game in Florida 
at the arena there. And I swear there's a, like a giant photo of you somewhere in the arena. Well, I anytime swear. there's a, anytime there's you, you see a photo of me, it's gonna be giant. Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> you know, not not for my own liking. Ah, uh, yeah, there is a picture of me in the press box. Uh, one day they'll yes. probably name it after me when I croak. Probably in that press box. Um, yeah, no, I've I'm, uh, I've covered that that team. I covered that team. I mean, what's crazy is that I've covered the Wild nine years longer than I covered that team. Like I covered that team from '95 to '05, uh, and I've covered the Wild. This is my 19th season. So, wow. so yeah, 29 uh, in the league. And trust me, the the Wild. I don't think will be putting my picture anywhere unless it's on a dartboard. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, I, you know what? Here's here's a legit question. So, how many you, you covered the the Panthers for nine? Uh, ten. 10. ten. Ten if you include ten. the ten if you include the 0405 lockout, which was my pleasure to to cover the return yeah. of Mike Keenan as a GM after yeah. after he was fired as a coach earlier that same season. So okay. So how many other sports writers in the NHL have covered two franchises for like a, a decade each? So ten years covering one team, ten doing yeah. another. Like I think you're in some rarefied air here. Yeah. Um when you know, I can't remember how long Sarah McClellan covered the Arizona Coyotes, but she replaced me at the Star Tribune in Minnesota, and uh, but I started here what six years ago. So it's 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 I've got to think about that. I mean, uh, maybe Helene Elliott, you know, between uh, working uh, covering the Islanders and then the Kings, I would say definitely her. I don't know how long she was in New York. Jeff Domet might know, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's been you know quite quite the career. Um, you know, maybe one day I'll get to actually cover one of the teams that I'm actually in charge of covering, go past the first round or go to a Stanley Cup <laughs> final. Like I've oh. covered like freaking, I mean, I've probably covered 20 Stanley Cup finals, but, but obviously, uh, never. And even my first one, 95, 96, when I covered the Panthers, I covered them throughout that year as like backup to the backup to the backup. And I covered the first round of the playoffs. Um, it, but just to show you how young I was in 95, 96, I covered the first uh, round of the playoffs against the Ranger against the uh, Boston Bruins, um, and then I left for summer camp. So that's how long ago. That's how young I was then. Uh, and then '97 was really my first like full year as a beat writer. That was the first. That was the year that they played the Rangers in the first round. Coley Campbell was the uh, coach. Gretzky had a hat trick. Uh, Bukaboom. I mean that that team was pretty awesome. That Ranger team. What summer camp is that? Like 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 a like you you went to a lake. And like you went, yeah, no, like, uh, like, yeah, I was like a staff member at a summer camp in Georgia. I was like, for, I, was, I went to this camp for like 11 years. Boy, this, uh, I bet everybody, like, all the people behind the scenes of this podcast right now are like, God, can we just talk hockey again? Like, really, go off <laughs> to Wales Jeff Domet, who made me run back to the hotel, is like, this is what you get, Jeff. We talk about my uh, childhood days. <laughs> So. Yeah. Oh, don't put this on producer Jeff. Don't put this on producer yeah. Jeff. He's just doing his best. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I hit a sandstorm on this walk back. By the way, I got. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's so warm here in Calgary. The wind was blur. I got pelted. Julian. Yeah, it's uh, it's very mild in Calgary today. Like out east, it's being. It, they got hit with a snowstorm. Uh, I don't know how bad it's been in Ottawa for you, Ian. But like in Calgary, it's supposed to be like a high of. Uh, they're trying. I guess it would be close to like fifty degrees Fahrenheit. Today. Yeah, it might be a little bit warmer today. It's it's warm out. It's it's pretty. It's we we got lucky on this trip. This whole trip, we go Vancouver, Edmonton, and then Seattle. Nice the league to make us go like that. And uh, but uh, the, every every city, we got, I mean, we're gonna be in Edmonton, no snow. It's gonna be pretty cool. Yeah, it makes up for the fact that uh, you haven't covered a team in the Stanley Cup final, so that's yeah, exactly. it's kind of fun. Ian and I have covered teams 
uh, in our respective markets who have been in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, you haven't. That's I've covered. I, I covered that 04 series. I was here. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's yeah. It's uh, one of these days. One of these days. <laughs> Hey, listen, before we uh, pivot to you, got a, a great conversation with Darren Pang that we want to set up. Uh, but real quick, you're in Calgary, where the Minnesota Wilds seem to be turning a corner. And how much of that can be attributed to the brand new head coach uh, in John Hines? 3-0, right, since he took over? Yeah, 3-0 going to tonight's game against Calgary. And um, obviously, I mean, you know, I, I think it was a wake-up call to everybody in that locker room. There's a lot of pride in that locker room. They were not delivering. And I think that this uh, has to do with the, your, a lot of your normal coaching a bump that you get. Um, they haven't played three of the greatest teams in the league. I'll say that. I mean, you know, their PK was 32nd in the league and they got to play St. Louis and Chicago as part of this. One team had six power play goals. The other had seven all season long. So if there were ever two things that could, or two teams that could cure the Wilds penalty kill woes, it'd be those two teams. Um, they're getting goaltending from both Gustafson and Fleury. That was something that Dean Everson wasn't getting, but they're just playing fast, fast hockey. Like I was just talking to Jake Middleton and Marcus Foligno and the one difference is that there's a lot of clarity in terms of routes. And if you watch them, if they play the way that they were playing in the first three games under John Hines, and if that continues to build tonight, is that they they just there's really short 10 to 15 foot passes. Everybody knows where each other is, and it just makes them look fast. Um, their top line has been outstanding with Zuccarello, who's on pace for 97 points, by the way. Um, Kaprizov and Rossi in the three, you know, right now um, it, under John. Uh, Erickson X played a beast. Uh, Faber has been unbelievable. Um, they're getting great play from Jared Spurgeon and, and, and Middleton, their best uh, play of the season. And, and they're, I mean, Felino has just been one of the best shutdown forwards in the league. And the fourth line's been really well to the point that um, they're winning so much right now that Hartman's had to really buy his time since back in the lineup from the in, from the suspension and, and play on the fourth line. So, so far, so good. Um, you know, they, they, they play Vancouver. They usually always win in Edmonton. Um, then they go to Seattle, a team that they have a ton of games in hand on, and a team that I don't, I don't, I think uh, might have overachieved last year and hasn't looked great. Um, so these are winnable games, and and uh, you know it's a chance to really climb up the standings a bit until uh, they start to get the real heavyweights of the league. That that we'll see then if if this team is actually for real and back to where they were during their back to back 100 point seasons under Everson. And um, you know I got to talk to Everson last week, had breakfast with him, and and he is. He understands it. He doesn't agree that's the spark that be needed, but he also gets uh, that in, this is what you sign up for as a coach in the National Hockey League. Excellent. St Listen, we, we look forward. I know Julian's looking forward to that game tonight, Minnesota and uh, and Calgary. So uh, speaking of people who have covered two teams, Mike Russo's done the Panthers and the Wild. Darren Pang doing the old switcheroo this year. Went from St. Louis to Chicago. So set this one up. Uh, our listeners uh, and viewers, you're about to get roughly a 20-minute conversation with Mike Russo and Darren Pang. So what do we uh, what do we have in store for us here? Yeah, I mean, obviously we talk a lot about the Chicago Blackhawks and the rebuild that they have going on there and a lot about the week that Connor the season that Connor Bedard has had, but also the week that Connor Bedard had last week with just getting into, you know, um, his name being dragged through social media in just an, a really unfortunate way. Um, you know, he talks about the the line of questionings that that Connor endured in Winnipeg. Um, you know, it I will say this, I'm always uncomfortable um, you know, criticizing people that, you know, that do our jobs and we're the ones that have to ask tough questions. I never saw the line of questioning. I wasn't there for it. Um, but he talks about that and how he didn't think it was fair to Connor. Um, and then he talks about, uh, you know, Soderblom and what he thinks in terms of his future in goal, whether or not he thinks that he could play goal in today's NHL. And we talk <laughs> a little bit about just the league. 
you know, as a whole. We talk a lot about uh, Rocky Wirtz as well. If you remember, Rocky and him were super tight. Um, one big reason why he went to Chicago from St. Louis, as you mentioned, Ian, was because of Rocky being the owner there. And then unfortunately, soon after he gets there, Rocky um, dies unexpectedly. And, and so much so that uh, it was it was Darren Pang that did the pu public emceeing at his memorial. Um, so they were really tight and it's an emotional conversation. They're talking about uh, Rocky Wirtz. All right. Well, listen, that, that sounds like a great conversation. Thanks again, as always, for dropping by on a Tuesday. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll hit you up again uh, next Tuesday. Yep. See, see you guys. Break. Take care. Yeah. There he goes. There goes Mike Russo. Julian, we, we need a picture of the two of you in the press box tonight. All right. Make sure you. <laughs> yeah. I'll make that happen. I will yeah, make, make that it happen. happen. Hey, all right. And okay. So the, for the listeners, for the viewers, here you go. Roughly 20 minutes, a conversation with a Chicago and TNT analyst, Darren Pang and our own Mike Russo. Happy to be joined by one of the best broadcasters that ever played the game, one of the best goalies that ever played the oh, game. Oh, no, easy now, Mike, easy now. <laughs> 27 wins doesn't get me that one there. <laughs> the, great, uh, the great Darren Pang, uh, TNT, has been uh, ESPN for years before that, uh, yeah. Coyotes, Blues, and now, uh, of course, with the Blackhawks, uh, replacing the great Eddie Olchuk. And, um, you know, the first thing that strikes me is uh, the pin on your, on, your, on your lapel, on your jacket, uh, Darren, the Rocky pin. And I know you were very close with him. Uh, you come there, um, and he passes away tr tragically soon right after it. I know you you emceed the public service. Um, how much did it hurt you, and just his what he meant to this organization? Well, he, he's just an incredible person, and uh, our relationship goes back so long. Obviously, when when Bill own, owned the uh, uh, owned the Hawks while I was playing, um, I got a couple calls from Rocky. He's, I had the ten year old son. Uh, named Danny. Danny wanted to be a goalie, and Rocky would ask me, "Would you mind? Uh, I've got some ice up here in in Winnetka, or we'll met up up on the North Shore." And he, he said, um, "Would you mind teaching Danny how to play goal? You're his favorite player." And so as years went on, I, I you know we 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 continued our relationship. Every time I went into Chicago, no matter who I was working for, I'd, I'd always ask security, "Is is Rocky here?" And Rocky would be having dinner. He'd get right up, and we'd give each other a hug. And and uh, so he was, and he was highly influential on on uh, on making this move. And and he was. He's a very, he was a very persuasive, powerful, kind human. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, in my last conversation with him, I, I was sitting in my lake on an Adirondack chair. And, and in fact, I thought that I would get right into the mood of talking to Rocky and making a decision to return to Chicago. And, uh, I had a bourbon and a cigar and I remember thinking Rocky would love this. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably doing the same thing in his backyard right now. And, um, so very sad that, uh, that, you know, not even a month later that Rocky had passed. I was very fortunate to be in the offices and my wife, Lynn has known Rocky and the family too, since, since I played with the Hawks in, in the eighties. And, and, uh, we just by chance walked down a hallway, went to meet with Jamie Faulkner, the, the president. And I looked to the right and I'm like, Rocky, you know, I was, <laughs> cause I hadn't seen him, you know, through the summer, we talked on the phone all the time. And I was so, I feel so fortunate. We were able to sit there for about 45 minutes and and uh, just talking about uh, everything, talking about the old stadium, talking about Danny, talking about the future of the Blackhawks. He was telling me how excited he was for me to be there. And I just felt like a million bucks. I felt like uh, like that, you know, when you get, you've got to get a man of that stature and that power, but such a kind man that wants you there. It was just a really great feeling. And then, you know, then a couple of weeks later, we, we all heard the news, which was so sad. Yeah. So sad. I mean, he's just a, he's great for hockey. I tell you what, Mike, I remember when, when, you know, I wasn't, obviously I wasn't with the Hawks. I haven't been with them since, shoot, uh, 1994 probably. Mm -hmm. And, and I got, I got the news that, uh, that he was taken over and that 
they were going to be on home TV. I remember telling my son at the time, I said, the Hawks are going to be on home TV. Like this is 2008 or something like that. And, you know, by now my son's growing up. He doesn't live in Chicago or whatever. But I'm like, you believe that? The kids <laughs> of today are going to be able to watch them at home. And it always frustrated my son when he was a kid growing up. It, and at one point he wrote Bill Wirtz a letter saying, why, why is my favorite player like the Eisermans and the Sackicks and the Yagers? And, uh, and I can't even watch our team at home, you know? That's great. And anyway, so long story short, when, when Rocky took over and made that decision, I was so excited for the city of Chicago. And look what happened after that. Three yeah. Stanley Cups in a short amount of yep. time. And here you now are on their, uh, their television sets, which is uh, pretty awesome. You know, last time you and I did a podcast, I was talking to Keith Jones about this because I did about a month ago. I was in Philly and did a podcast with him. It was you and him. Uh, we did it at the Westin in downtown Minneapolis the day before the coldest winter classic in history. Um, as you both know abundantly well, because you had to be outside. No, 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 no. Jonesy was up. <laughs> he was up in the heat up there. I was between the benches. I was the one freezing because that uh, winter classic, Edzo, yeah. Edzo uh, wasn't able to make it. Yeah. So I was between the benches. So we did a little reversal and I knew that I knew that Jonesy, he was not going to go between the benches. He was going to slide up there in the, in the nice warm weather. He had one little sweater on and I was freezing down below. What was that like for you to be oh, behind the benches? Man. You got the, you got the best uh, view ever of uh, Jordan Cairo dominating a winter class. Unbelievable. Pretty cool. He was unbelievable. Yeah. yeah that's you You are right. I think, I think that's, that's the neat thing about winter classics. There's always somebody that just kind of, you know, I don't know whether they just think they're a kid again or think they're on the pond or think they're playing outdoor hockey, but uh, he de definitely put on a show. I, all, what I remember is my face was was burning and one of the trainers, um, I, I, I'm not sure, I think it was Ray Barilli of, of the uh, of the Blues, he came in and gave me some cream. Mm -hmm. And he says, you got you to wear this cream, you're, you're, you're really going to get like windburn bad. Yeah. And, uh, and so I put it on. I remember thinking, wow, that is amazing stuff. It just deflected <laughs> off my face. And, uh, and just being around there and the, the environment, people that say, Mike, ah, oh, Winter Classic, it's, we've done it before. It's, it's, oh yeah, really? Mm -hmm. Go inside that market like, like you did yeah. in, right here in, in, um, in Mini. And it wasn't old. It yep. wasn't bad. <laughs> it was, it was, that's all everybody talked about for three days was the Winter Classic. Yep. So I'm all in and I'm looking forward to going to Seattle yeah. and You're being a, a part away. of that one. Yeah. A month yep. away. A wow. little warmer weather. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. Uh, uh, what, what was it about television that just, uh, that, that, you just fell in love with because obviously as you know, I mean, I know that you're a humble guy, but you are one of the most popular play by play, uh, color analysts there ever has been. And people just love every time that you're on that television. Um, what is it about it that you fell in love with? Well, I was rehabbing my ACL in, mm -hmm. in 89. I, I tore my ACL uh, in the playoffs against Calgary. Um, and, and over the summertime, to get long story short, I, we, we kind of misdiagnosed it. We weren't sure. We thought it was a sprain. And then by September, I, I just had had this incredible pain. And we realized then that it was a torn ACL. So all that winter, so from September all the way, um, our producer, Lisa Seltzer, I'm not sure if you remember Lisa, yeah, I, a real I pioneer. Yeah. She was the producer and director for Pat and Dale uh, yeah. on, because they simulcast back then. And, and she is really influential in my, in my decision making. And she was the one that asked Bob Pulford for permission for me to do college hockey. Mm -hmm. So th I guess they talked on the side and Polly thought it was a great idea because coming back from an ACL at my size and maybe, you know, maybe I wouldn't be back. So, so basically I did, I did UIC flames hockey. I did Michigan state. I did Ferris state. I did bowling green. Like mm -hmm. I, I really got my, my feet wet in the, in that part of the business. And Lisa Seltzer really helped me along the way. And I, I, I came back after doing a game. It was a live game. I remember it was Bowling Green, uh, Rob Blake, and, um, oh, shoot, who, who's Blakey with? Uh, 
Anyway, Blakey was on that Bowling Green team. Mm-hmm. And I came home and I was just, exil- it, it was exhilarating for me. It was so exciting. And, and, and uh, so I knew from that moment, I think I got something else here. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where, I, you know, I've always loved watching hockey. I always had books on players. I always had, you know, that, that came easy for me. Um, people today say, oh, no, he's a hockey, th- that guy's a hockey nerd. He watches hockey. I'm like, hockey nerd? He just loves the game of hockey. Yeah. You know, that, I love watching hockey. And I still, to this day, love watching the game. And so I, I think that's how that transition, Mike, became really easy for me to get out of the yeah, game of the hockey. the passionate, the love. Yeah, and have something else, yeah. you know. Um, I ended up re-injuring my knee again um, after going down to the minors. And that, if I didn't have that broadcast, I probably would have tried again. Mm-hmm. But I had something else and I was excited by something else. That's So great. it was a big relief that I, that I was able to maybe make a living yeah. and support a family. Because that's yeah. the big question is uh, after you've played just even a short amount of time. Yeah. I was a six-year pro. Didn't make enough money. Right. <laughs> so you had to do this. Yeah. Um, and uh, now you're a star golfer. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> great. <laughs> I see all the video, all the uh, pictures all the time on, uh, on, uh, on Twitter and all that stuff. Um, you mentioned before we talked about the Blackhawks, you mentioned, uh, you know, your size and coming back. You know, today's game, um, it's all about, you know, a lot of times these teams want those Ben Bishop types and the, yeah. the big giant goalies. Mm-hmm. Because at a minimum, the best save could be just hitting you. Um, do you think that you could have played in today's game with today's technology and just the speed and all that type of stuff, or, or no? I wouldn't have got a chance. Mm-hmm. I mean, heck, some of these GMs, I, I don't, I don't like it, and I don't agree with them saying this publicly. But I've heard many of them say we don't even look at a goalie that's under yeah. six foot two, and I, I think that's very unfair. You know, I think there's, there's always going to be uh, an extremely elite athlete that can maybe outthink a bigger guy, mm-hmm. and so, um. But, but naturally, you know, when I was playing, the defensemen were, you know, the six foot four guys and the mm-hmm. goalies were the five foot eight guys. And now the defensemen are the five foot eight guys and the goalies are the six foot five guys. So what a change that has been. But could I play? I really think my brain could play. Mm-hmm. I, I do. I think I thought the game well as a goalie. I, I always, I had, I, I believe that I made it to the NHL because I had good hockey sense mm-hmm. and I could read a play and I knew shooters and passers and I really studied the game. I studied the color of their tape, their curve, their make of their stick. So it ha- I had to because I had to have that edge being so small. I mean, I played in the NHL. At, I wasn't even 5'5". Five five, so I'm 5'4 and a half. 100 and, I was 135 pounds when I played. Mm-hmm. So if you think <laughs> that yeah. we, we got goalies that are 6'4", 260 pounds. Right. They're exactly, you know, they're a foot and 100 pounds heavier than Yeah. Me. And that and some, some bigger. And I mean, some bigger. Yeah. 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 I, I've covered some undersized guys and they all were able to play at a incredibly, I mean, I covered Mike Vernon in Florida, John Van Beesburg in Florida, Alex yeah. Stalock here, and all of them played at a high level. But you're right. I mean, it's just, it just seems like, you know, you've got a, it's, it's a tougher challenge to get to that spot because people don't even, they just discount you afraid from the beginning. Let's talk about this uh, Blackhawks team. I, I, most people, I'm sure, talk to you about Connor Bedard first. I wanted to ask you about the goalie, uh, Soderblom. I mean, he's yeah. up and down. Young goalie, what what do you think of him and his future? Yeah, I think I mean Arvid's Arvid's doing what every goalie should be doing. And that's just growing leaps and bounds by you know by every game and, and learning the game. So, um, you know, I mean, I prefer I, like I personally think that goaltenders should spend two three years in the minors. Yeah, um, ask Wild fans are getting getting uh, impatient for Wallstead. They are, there, you, you know, know and and uh, and that's not the first time that's happened. Yep. But but you've got to be patient and yep. and. Uh, and I, I, I do believe in that process, and I believe that when the goalie's ready to be a, a goalie here, then he should probably be an all-star. He should be up for MVP. You know, he should be a first three stars of almost every game down there. That's just the facts. And if he's not, 
then he's not ready for this league because mm-hmm. this is the best league in the world and you can't learn it. Going back to uh, Soderblom, um, there are times where I look at him and I'm like, like he's, he's, he's got an NHL body. He's got an NHL. The technique is very sound. Um, but there's some certain plays in the game that are, that are beating him and their backdoor plays. It's only because, you know, it's, it's the hockey sense to know what's around you and what, mm-hmm. what plays are going to be made. But by and large, he's, uh, he's great off the wing. I mean, he makes some unbelievable, last night he made some unbelievable saves uh, in the game to, to keep the game going against a really tough Winnipeg Jets team. So, um, but I, you're going to see Mrazek today and Mrazek's a, a really athletic guy. He's side to side. He's, he's really, really good mm-hmm. post to post. He, he's got a, you can tell, you know, you can tell that he's been around the league for a long time. He's got maybe better awareness mm-hmm. than, um, than what Soderblom does. He's got better, maybe, uh, control of his crease mm-hmm. is the way that Marty Berdur used to say. And, and, um, and I can really see that with a older goalie like Mrazek and a younger mm-hmm. goalie like Arvid. Uh, Bedard, uh, heading into tonight's, uh, or today's wild game, uh, 11 goals, 22 points, uh, excuse me, 11 goals, 19 points yeah. in, in 22 games. He's minus 14, 19, 23 in ice time, eight game road point streak. Um, you know, and again, watching him yesterday, you know, he brushes off checks. Uh, he, he just seems like he is developing at the right pace right now and, and, uh, showing people that this is not a fluke that he was drafted. First overall. Yeah, not n- not a fluke whatsoever. The guy's got great presence. He's an unbelievable kid. Uh-huh. I mean, really, he's a gracious person. Um, he's being really led in the right direction, too. I know I see Nick Foligno and Connor Murphy and Seth Jones with him and these guys and um, making sure that, that he understands that if there's 17 kids that are nearby that, you know, that uh, don't distance yourself. Yeah. And, you can say, and he doesn't. He, do- mm-hmm. he really takes care of that part of it. But on the ice part of it, Mike, I think... W- because the Hawks are, are losing games, he, he what I've been impressed with is his competitiveness. He he's he doesn't take losing lightly, which yeah. is phenomenal to hear. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you I it doesn't matter what league you're in, you should not like to lose. And mm-hmm. he does not like to lose. He does not like to have a bad shift. He doesn't like to have a make a bad decision with the puck. And and uh, what I've seen since then maybe the last eight to 10 games is just a more fierce competitor on pucks, mm-hmm. you know, instead of just a, a big swoop with one hand on your stick, he's staying in the battle and he stops and starts and he's trying to bump guys yeah. and, and not being afraid of that. So early in the season, he got pushed aside by Brad Marchand in the second game and, and he didn't kind of know what to do. Like it's Brad Marchand. Marchand's got him tied up in knots on a line change in the second period. He can't get off this. He can't go to the bench. He, and you could see this look on his face. Like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. You know? And, and then, as games have gone on now, if that's happened t- today, for example, uh, he gives the guy, he, he gives him a shove. Like he's, yeah. So he uh, gets in the corner, and, and if he gets shoved, he'll go right back at a guy. Yeah. So obviously it's not his number one part of his game, but it's a great part of the game that I've seen so far. Yeah. So Some besides the, the shot is great, the hockey sense yeah. is great, you know, all that stuff is, is wonderful, but yeah. it's the competitiveness that, I, that I've really admired. Yeah, some of the things that, that some guys are doing to him, I remember what Pavel Bure used to do him put two hand lumber right on the guy's arm. Yep. <laughs> that used to do that once every like first five minutes of every game, just to give himself a little distance. Uh, Always. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah he um, had a, he had a mean mentality. Yeah, he did. Yep. Um, you know, not to, I don't want to ask you about the Corey Perry's stuff and then put you in that position, but just, uh, you know, how impressed have you been? Just, it's gotta be just the most awkward thing for Bedard to have to deal with the last couple of weeks. And, so, handle, so and handle it yeah. well, yeah. um, handle it well. In fact, uh, um, Mark Chipman, you know, the president, yeah, president and owner of, of the Winnipeg Jets um, took the time as the Hawks were getting on the bus to leave and uh, made sure he went up to Connor and apologized that uh, a couple th- of reporters, those questions. It was really one reporter. His name is Paul Friesen. Mm-hmm. And he, um, 
you know, one question was asked. Connor answered it beautifully. I don't know if you, you know, you read, like he, he was, he's not afraid to answer it. He's not afraid to tell people that he's aware of what goes on. And, mm-hmm. and basically this is, it's a bunch of BS. Yeah. We're, we're okay with our families. We're good. Well, then the Paul Friesen asked another question, another question, another question, another question. And so that's what Mark Chipman was apologizing for. And, and again, you know, Connor's, he's, 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 uh, he's aged beyond 18. Yeah. You know I mean? And, and so it was impressive. But the other part of it is they're missing a friend and a player. What happened? Nobody knows. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not into the speculation game. I don't care to. But, Con- but really, Corey Perry was a big part of, of, of this season. He was a big part of the way the team played. He was a big part of being in the room, the big part of, you know, showing guys. After, after, you know, after every practice, he's on the ice with Connor. He's working on little things. Like, yeah. You know, so this is re- it was really kind of sad, <laughs> yeah. to be honest with you, that is, a decision was made that has caused this ripple-down effect. And, and, and now Corey Perry's, you know, he's, he's obviously not here, and he's got to get some help. And... Uh, but uh, as far as being on the ice, because that's yeah. what I am as an analyst, is I, I miss seeing Corey Perry on the ice, yeah. net front presence, battles mm-hmm. in the corner. Like those are the intricacies yeah. of the game that you need to have, but you need the special guys that can do it. Yeah. And so they don't have them anymore. Yeah. That's really uplifting about Mark Chipman, by the way, because he is a class act. I mean, what Absolutely. he did for what he did for Neil Pionk and and yeah. those guys when um, you know, when when Adam Johnson passed away, flying him up to Arizona, getting him down. St. Louis uh, just says everything about him, and uh, yeah, you know I've gotten a chance to talk to him a couple times. I did Jeff Vinnick feature a couple couple years ago. Owners don't love talking about other owners. Mark Chipman called me for that story, uh, so really class act. You mentioned Nick yeah. Foligno and Connor Murphy. I got to ask you about Connor Murphy because I covered his dad in Florida. Yeah. He's still one of my favorite Panthers I've ever covered. It seems like the apple doesn't fall from the tree with him. He looks exactly like him. Yeah. Plays exactly like him. He sure does. I I you know I haven't seen Connor a whole lot because he hadn't been on good yeah. teams. You know, in, in Arizona, they they weren't that good yep. at that point. He comes to Chicago. But, boy, if I if I admired his – he blocks everything that comes his way. Yeah. Uh, he's gotten a couple of scraps. He battles like crazy. He's great on the PK. I mean, he'd be the one guy that uh, – did I underestimate before I got here? I think I think he would be the one guy yeah. that I, I really did. I didn't have a, a, a true um, – assessment of the way he plays and when you see him every single day he, yeah. lays, he lays it on the line yeah yeah really uh, good. he really reminds right. me looks of like dad uh, yeah, yeah exactly right. um yeah. final question up uh, you know uh, patrick Kane signs with the red wings there's just something weird about seeing him in red wings practice jerseys we just I saw mean, him the yeah, other day i mean it's just it's so strange to me you know because uh you know not that the like, red wings and blackhawks are in the same conference anymore but it is it's like you know yeah. it's just it's original six rivalry right there how fun will those uh, Blackhawks uh, Red Wings games be? And uh, just I, I can't even imagine what it's going to be like. Well, you know what? Uh, barring any health issues, uh, his first game in in, in Chicago is going to be the game that Chris Chelios' sweater gets retired. Wow! Like you can't make this up. Yeah. You know, uh, February twenty fifth. It's going to be a rock show of all rock shows. He's wow. Eddie between Eddie Vedder and Kid Rock and. I think Gretzky and Jordan are coming in for it. It's going to be an amazing wow. um, ceremony to retire Chelly's jersey. But do you remember they 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 did a little honoring. Rocky talked to uh, talked Chelly into doing this. Chelly was telling me this story that this was a, several years ago when they brought Chelly back as an ambassador. Yeah, and uh, so he went to Santa Rice. They did a kind of a honored him, you know, one of those things. And Chelly told Rocky, said, "Rocky, don't do it. This uh-huh. is they, they're going to boo me." They still haven't gotten over it, and sure enough, they booed him, and and he um, he dropped his mic, and he kind of it was frustrating for him. So now here it is again, and it's going to be it's going to be Patrick Kane and the and the Detroit Red Wings coming yeah. into Chicago for that moment. 
it's going to be something else. But two different situations. Yeah. I mean, Chelly couldn't. There was a contract situation, and I mean, Bob Murray looks back at this now. He'd go, "Ooh, what was I? How did I make that move? Like, yeah. just let's just get the contract done and let's yeah. keep him as a as a hawk." Instead, he sends him to to Detroit. Um, <laughs> you know, and Patrick Kane's a UFA, so you know we know he wasn't coming back to Chicago. That was quite clear. So I think it's a different scenario, but again, it, it, it is, is the Detroit Red Wings, yeah. and it is fascinating. And uh, anyway, it's it's uh, yeah. it's good for the Detroit Red Wings yeah. if they need a player like that and a shot in the arm like that. Yeah. They need this is the year because yeah. they they're in a situation of having to make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. well, Hanger, as always, really appreciate your gentleman for always uh, being willing to do this, especially uh, you know an hour before your telecast. So uh, thanks as always. Uh, that is uh, Darren Pang, and back to you, Julian and Ian. There we go. As always, terrific stuff with Mike Russo and Darren Peck. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Okay, Julian, let's wrap up the uh, Tuesday pod. Hit on a couple of items here. Let's start with this because the Board of Governors, we talked about this on Monday, Board of Governors meeting uh, in Seattle. They kind of just wrap things up by the, the, the looks of it and the sounds of it. Pierre Lebrun is there for us uh, with The Athletic 
he's reporting that Gary Bettman in his conversation with reporters says that February of 2025, so I think you know, 14 months from now, we're going to get a version of a best on best. And it does look like the format is going to be a four-team tournament, Finland, Sweden, the United States, and Canada. That's in February of 2025. And then in an ideal world, the Olympics in 2026 and the World Cup of Hockey in 2028, and they'll alternate uh, every two years after that. So that sounds exciting. That sounds good. But how do you feel about the 2025 kind of weird thing where it's only four countries involved? It is what it is. If that's as close as we're going to get, and then we're going to get the real stuff in the coming years, I'm okay with that. Um, I'm very, we've, we've had a lot of discussions about what we would have liked to have seen in place of a four team tournament. Um, but at this point, I'll just take it. If it means that the path to an Olympics and world cup of hockey rotation is not too far behind. How about a little shout out to the Arizona coyotes this week? You know, Julian, they are, uh, in the midst of a homestand where they've played very well. They've won five consecutive games, but there's an uh, an interesting disclaimer to those five games. Check this out. The Coyotes have won five games in a row. They're on a, on a classic heater here where they've just happened to beat the last five Stanley Cup champions. Not It would have been really cool if somehow it was in order, but they've beaten, yeah. I'm just double-checking this, they've beaten Vegas, Tampa, Colorado, St. Louis, Washington. Washington was a 6 nothing beatdown on Monday. Uh, what what a remarkable story for them. What a remarkable story for Arizona. Uh, they've got with Connor Ingram in goal for, for all five of those games. Um, you probably never get this again. It's just, it's a coincidence, but you probably never get this again. A team on a five game winning streak against the last five Stanley cup champions. Pretty cool. And, of, and of all teams to do that, the Arizona coyotes, that's yeah. a team that's knocking on the door of trying to make the playoffs this year. I don't know if you've looked at like the Western Conference standings lately, but like the wild card, at least for the last few days, it's been some version of like St. Louis or Arizona it's, in those two wild card spots. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah like it, it's great. But but you don't think that at the end of the like, if I had to ask you because you really obviously you cover Calgary, you're a little bit not a little bit, you're a lot more in tune with the Western Conference than I would be. If right. you had to pick the number of points that it's going to take to get into the West. The second wild card spot. What's your what's your answer right now? I'm terrible 90? with dictating. I mean, if 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 90s enough, I mean, I don't know if you need a little bit more. I know I'm terrible at dictating points for that sort of thing, but just looking at the standings right now between Arizona, St. Louis, uh, Nashville is kind of hovering around. I'm still not ready to count out the flames just yet, but the crack and the fact that they've fallen all the way this far behind 22 yeah. points at this point. Like that is a, a pretty big surprise for me, uh, and we, we got it. If Edmonton finds a way to go on a heater, they've won four in a row, and if they go God mode for the rest of the year, they probably end up in one of those wild card spots. Ninety something points seems like a pretty good threshold, but it would be really fascinating to see the Arizona Coyotes after all these years of of presumed tanking, the Mullet Arena stuff, all these different. Uh, versions of these teams over the last few years for them to finally be in a position where they could make the playoffs and bring playoff hockey to Arizona. And then we get to see what that arena looks like in a playoff scenario. Wouldn't that be something? I think it's something what we're going to see in Vancouver on Tuesday night, not one, not two, but three 
Hughes brothers on the ice for the very first time. Obviously, Quinn and Jack have played each other, but welcome to the party, Luke Hughes. This is going to be a pretty cool moment uh, in Vancouver on Tuesday night as the three Hughes brothers get together. Makes me really think back to obviously the Sutter brothers when they played, and there were six of them. But I even think about in 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 Quebec back in the eighties, they had the three Stastny brothers, all yeah. on the same team, all you know playing forward. Uh, th but this is something really cool that's going to happen in Vancouver on on Tuesday night. I think that's so cool. I think the idea of just having, I mean. It's a bit unbalanced with two brothers on one team and one brother on the other. But the idea that brothers are just playing against each other, obviously, when we get the opportunity to see a shift between like Jack versus Quinn or 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 an opportunity where maybe Luke's on the ice and Quinn's on the ice or how, if all three of all three of them are going to have to be on the ice at some point. Yeah, if that's not no, already I, a thing that could be easily facilitated, like to start okay. the game, like both coaches need to have that set where Quinn is starting on the Vancouver side. Jack and Luke are, are 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 playing and starting on the other side. We need that for the culture. Okay, we're going to end with something fun. But before we do, before we get to that, real quick, because on Monday's pod, we asked people for suggestions for a team name in the NHL if, if Salt Lake City uh, landed an NHL team. Okay? We weren't sure, yes. right? We, we said we are not familiar with, like, the culture and the geography and all that that fun stuff that sometimes goes into making a team. So Jared writes, and uh, I, I mean, it sounds like Jared is from uh, Salt Lake City. Jared says, uh, we currently have the ECHL Grizzlies, and there are no Grizzly Bears in Utah. Salt Lake City is uh, uh, located on the West Atch, uh Mountain Range. So the Sasquatch name would be apropos. Outdoor recreation is a hallmark of Utah, five national parks, strong gaming population. So maybe even uh, the elk could work okay. as a name. And then okay. there's a mule. What, what's this mule deer business? Mule deer? Yeah, mule what is, deer. What is that? I have never heard of this. What, what is this? Yeah. Mule it better be muleys and not muleys because the Salt Lake City muleys is not going to work as a team. No, it is not. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. It better, you know, we, he better we, have we, tried to pronounce it another way. I, I, I bet he did, but like, oof, it better not be Salt Lake City muleys. I'll tell you that. We, we had someone write in yesterday and say they should be called the Salt Lake City Mormons, if you recall. Uh, I remember that. I I thought of a different one last night along those lines. What about the Storm and Mormons? No. 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 Ian, no. You can't do that. Storm and can't do that. You can't do I, that. It's, 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 I, this is why I said this joke. is a brainstorming session. It's a good joke. It's a great joke, even, but I need you to stop anyway. Storm and Mormons is not going to fly. <laughs> I, I just no. I was just building oh upon God. a suggestion from a listener. That's all. I do not okay. want the morbid community we're, we're, after us, Ian. No, we don't. Okay, let's wrap with this. It is Andre Vasilevsky's post game scrum Monday yes. night. That um, well, we just want you to listen for something in the background of this. Have a listen. What's on your mind in the last 48 hours from the end of the game on Saturday to the start of this one? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, obviously it wasn't great feeling uh, last game, but um, uh, what was the question? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, it's my turn. Yeah, so um, yeah, I just. Um, <laughs> okay, in case you didn't hear it, in the middle of that, someone let one rip. And my question is, uh, like, where does that come? Does that come from a reporter? Does that come from a player? Like, have we gotten to the bottom of who let one go in oh, the Vasilevsky no. scrum? Oh man, I don't know if they'd want to let themselves be known, whether it's a, a reporter, PR staffer. Like I would do it. I know if that was me, I would do everything I can to not call it, bring attention to myself. Like I, I would just let it rip and it's just, I'm just there. And everyone like at this point, whoever smelt it, dealt it, Ian. My God. Whoever, or um, and then we'll be like, whoever did the ride, did the grind. I, I, I don't know. That, that one was an all time for you. Like you could just see That's like hilarious. all of a sudden you see the look on Vasilevsky's face. Like, are you kidding me? Who? Who just let one go? Do you uh, think this happens if the Lightning lose that game? Like, if someone just lets one rip, does everyone laugh, or is it just super awkward? No, I think you still laugh. I, I don't. I don't care if you're this. If you're the San Jose Sharks, and that happens, I think you're still laughing, aren't you? I would think so, but like, depending on how the team's going, like, you know, should you be laughing at any point after you lose for nothing? Like, I don't know. Uh, that's why I ask. It's a lot easier for Andre Vasilevsky to get that get that laugh off after a four nothing win, especially with that team and what happened to them against the Dallas Stars a couple nights earlier. Could you imagine him laughing after that? Like someone might get mad. I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. It wouldn't matter to me. But maybe it might be a bit more awkward uh, to laugh at a display of a flatulence. Man. Anyway, that was a that was an all timer for me in terms of. Uh, couldn't believe it. awkward. Like, I, I don't know. We love to hear from our listeners, the athletic hockey show at gmail.com. Has there ever been a more awkward scrum moment ever that you can think of more awkward than that? More awkward I, than that. One. That's a, I accidentally spilled uh, Megan Mickelson's coffee during a scrum once. That was tough. Uh, for those uh, also watching uh, online, uh, there's the photo I was trying to reference earlier. That's the photo of, of Mike Russo, Russo? in the like, in the uh, now um, Amaranth Bank Arena uh, press box. He's on who, the media wall. What is this from Jostens? Like who <laughs> who took this photo? This is a Jostens photo of Mike Russo. This is like his <laughs> high school grad photo. What is this? Yo, Michael Russo. I thought it was like <laughs> him working. I thought it was him working. This is his <laughs> class of '93. Bro, yeah, where whatever camp he went to, this is Michael. His... Mike, this 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 is before the, this is before the prom. <laughs> this is before the prom, exactly. It, how do you think Michael Russo got down at prom? How do you think he would have gotten down in high school, like trying to like get himself going at prom? How do you think that goes? How do you think that goes down for Russo? We should have asked them. Well, the guy we went there, he was a summer that. camp guy, so Russo probably knows like who's dating who and who's going to prom with who. Like he, he would have provided all the updates. But like, I would like to think he had someone in mind for Brock. Okay, we'll I'd like to think week. that. We'll ask him yeah. next week when he uh, drops by for Mike Check on Wednesday. The Athletic Hockey Show, 
Uh, it's the two of us again. Sean McAdoo, as always. Down goes Brown's going to be with us. Shayna Goldman. What did we learn about the NHL in November? Shayna's going to drop by and uh, and teach us a thing or two about what happened in the last month in the NHL. Then Thursday, of course, as always, Haley Salvian, Max, Sean Gentilly. Um, so Boltman, Gentilly, Salvian, that comes your way uh, on Thursday. And... Uh, that puts a wrap on the on the Tuesday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Hit us up, the Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. Anything that we got to today or even on Monday, if you want to weigh in on uh, what you use to scrape your car, what a good team name would be in Salt Lake City, uh, best on best, awkward scrub moments, we're here for it. And we love weighing in uh, or when you weigh in on our stuff. So the Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. And right now we want to let you know we got a fantastic deal to be a subscriber with The Athletic through The Athletic Hockey Show. From now until the end of the year, you can get a one-year subscription or give it as a gift uh, to The Athletic for $19.99. For a year, you get a two-year subscription for $39.99 when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. So that does it for Tuesday. Enjoy the games tonight. Julian, we need a selfie with you and Russo before we hit the uh, before we hit the show tomorrow, all right? You'll get it. Love it. All right. Have a good one, everybody. We'll chat with you Wednesday.